Welcome to A Journey Through the Message. My name is Robert. And my name is Heidi. We are super excited to have you along on this ride as we are barreling through the Bible. I feel like we are, we are, I feel like we're in this tour bus right now. Oh, the windows yeah. are down. Maybe, maybe a school bus. School bus is kind of fun. A school bus, yeah. And the windows are down. Jesus we got, at the wheel. Jesus is at the wheel. And we got... Kids are hanging out the window. See, We're flying by 60, great. 70 Jesus miles an hour. Jesus at the wheel. God's got that microphone oh, thing. Oh, yes, he does. Narrating. And the Holy Spirit is explaining to us when we don't understand. It's just, I'm so excited. I love that analogy. So, friends, we are so glad that you're on the bus with us as we take this journey through the message. It has been a fun ride so far. It absolutely has. I still can't get over how stubborn Pharaoh is. But then oh. I look back at my life and I realize how many times, how many years I was stubborn in Let's just take one thing. Uh, let's say drug addiction. Mm. Completely stubborn in that. I got to the point where I just didn't care anymore. And you know what? Yeah, life got a little hard. And yeah, I'd go to jail every now and then. But you know what? I'm going to do what I want to do. And that attitude can sometimes invade your direction and invade your mind. And now it turns you inward instead of outward. Now it's... I'm doing things because I want to do them for me. What's right. what's in it for me? Right. How is this benefiting me? And it's you know it's not. It doesn't. It doesn't. You. It doesn't benefit me. It doesn't benefit anybody else. Mm -hmm. It's such a selfish and stubborn way to live. I am realizing clearly that, as I call it, my 25-year desert desert journey. A lot of that was my personal stubbornness, my refusal hmm. to trust God to keep me from that kind of harm and hurt being repeated again, or even if it were, that my God wasn't big enough to I carry me through that. So I withdrew, and I thought it was just this, well, but I love God and I love Jesus. I just do that on my own time by myself. I refuse to I'm go to I'm spiritual, not religious, right? And that's the Well, <laughs> which is it, true it on a of, level. It kind of would But that's in also In my case an, it was a little different. I removed myself from the communion of God's people intentionally, and that was my stubbornness. I mm. was I let my fear rule me, and my fear of Christians kept me from the house of God. I remember when you decided to finally go back to church about a year or when so ago. When I decided to go back, I do believe, let's back up okay, and let's call back it up. what it was. So when I drug Heidi, mm -hmm. I, didn't dr I didn't drug her like she went to Not the church. physically, like. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, in, a way you, in a way you did because I love you so very, very much that I found myself agreeing to attending church with you. But I remember you basically saying, hey, if I just, I, I need an out. I need to know that I can and walk out if it gets to that point. I was, 
I was that afraid. And now, 12 months later, we are at church early. We're greeting people. I get upset if we're like three minutes late. (laughs) Like, we need to be there early. So listen, if you don't think God can change your situation, let me tell you. Talk to me. Talk to my wife. Talk to me. Talk to... There are so many people that God has completely just done a work inside of. I call it a miracle. It is a miracle. It's 100% a miracle. So, Father God, you are the best. Oh, thanks for just continuing to work miracles in our life. Work a miracle today in someone's life that needs it. Someone who is just hanging on by a thread. Someone who is maybe just peeking in and seeing what this whole Bible thing is about. Someone who is maybe lost and just needs to feel a little bit of comfort and some direction. So just be whatever it is those people need and be to us exactly what we need today. Bless this reading and thank you so much for just providing this platform that we can share you and inspire other people to open up your word. And I'm going to further that miracle request. And God, I am asking you to work in churches now and show them how to be a verb and not a noun. Make your churches places of action, of active faith, of actively seeking to be Mm, you. Yes. Make us verbs. All of us convict us and challenge us and then set us in this world to be something they have never seen before. We ask this all in your holy name. We pray amen. Amen. And you know what? I believe he's going to do it. We were weeping already. (laughs) We were at a meeting last night at a church in regards to prison ministry they were having like a prison ministry people that were involved in prison ministry on all different levels whether it was service providers people going into mm-hmm. the jails and prisons or whether it was re-entry providers people that were coming out oh there's a w- wonderful woman who she writes letters that's what she does mm. she writes letters to female inmates some people might say well that's not a big deal it is it's a, a big huge deal. deal. We need more of her. Let me just uncover something, I guess, real quick. Those letters that go into the jails and prisons and the communication and just the lifeline that somebody on the outside is to someone that is locked up, it is life-changing. Those prisons and jails are devoid of anything affirming. Not one CO or correctional officer or jailer or anything like that is going around and looking for reasons to say something positive to the people that are there. They're not telling them what a great job they did with something. They're not complimenting them on their outfit or their hair or anything. They literally are there to just make sure that you're alive and then they go home for the night. That you follow those rules. That you follow the rules. So those letters that get poured into the jails and prisons with a little bit of love and encouragement Mm -hmm. and support, those things are like gold to those prisoners. Is, Is it even in the realm of possibility that we could just, let's say we asked our church, 
is anybody willing to write a letter? You don't know who's going to get it. But sure. on those mail days, all those people that never get mail, would there be a way of making sure those people get a letter, a handwritten letter? Can you imagine they're sitting in the back going, well, I don't know why I have to be here. I'm never going to get anything. I've never received and anything. And then they get a surprise letter. To hear their name called? That's we'll like Jesus saying your name and noticing you. Yep. I'm going to make this happen. We'll have to see what we can do. And Heidi's going to be starting out today in Matthew. And we'll have the text written down below, as always, on the verses and chapters that we're reading out of. If you want to follow along in your favorite translation, that's great. Or if not, let us do the hard job of reading and we'll take care of it for you. It is hard sometimes. Sometimes it is. All right. We're starting in chapter 12 at verse 22. Next, a poor demon afflicted wretch, both blind and deaf. Keep that in mind. Think about that. Blind and deaf. So nobody can... You can't get see. To them. You they, can't see and you can't hear. So you can't communicate in any way, but the demons own you. That is a prison in and of itself. Mm -hmm. That's the whole at its worst. So next, a poor demon, afflicted wretch, both blind and deaf, was set down before him. Jesus healed him, gave him his sight and hearing. The people who saw it were impressed. This has to be the son of David. They are calling him the Savior there. That's It's mm -hmm. a beautiful thing. But the Pharisees, when they heard the report, were cynical. Black magic, they said. Some devil trick he's pulled from his sleeve. Jesus confronted their slander. A judge who gives opposite verdicts on the same person cancels himself out. A family that's in a constant squabble disintegrates. If Satan banishes Satan... Is there any Satan left? If you're slinging devil mud at me, calling me a devil, kicking out devils, doesn't the same mud stick to your own exorcist? But if it's by God's power that I am sending the evil spirits packing, then God's kingdom is here for sure. How in the world do you think it's possible in broad daylight to enter the house of an awake, able-bodied man and walk off with his possessions unless you tie him up first. Tie him up, though, and you can clean him out. This is war, and there is no neutral ground. If you're not on my side, you are the enemy. If you're not helping, you're making things worse. There's nothing done or said that can't be forgiven. Let that be hope in healing for you. There's nothing done or said that can't be forgiven. But if you deliberately persist in your slanders against God's spirit, you are repudiating the very one who forgives. If you reject the Son of Man out of some misunderstanding, the Holy Spirit can forgive you. But when you reject the Holy Spirit, you're sawing off the branch on which you're sitting severing by your own perversity all connection with the one who forgives. If you grow a healthy tree, you'll pick healthy fruit. If you grow a diseased tree, you'll pick worm-eaten fruit, the fruit 
tells you about the tree. Ooh, we say that a lot. I know. You will know them by their fruit. Jesus is not talking about a tree made of bark and wood no. and leaves. He's talking about the life that you live. What does your fruit look like? You have minds like a snake pit. How do you suppose what you say is worth anything when you are so foul-minded? It's your heart, not the dictionary, that gives meaning to your words. Hmm. It's your heart, not the dictionary, that brings meaning to your words. I love it. And what does God know? He knows the thoughts of your heart. Yeah. A good person produces good deeds and words season after season. An evil person is a blight on the orchard. Let me tell you something. Every one of these careless words is going to come back to haunt you. There will be a time of reckoning. Words are powerful. Take them seriously. Words can be your salvation. Words can also be your damnation. Mm. There is no neutral ground there. That is for sure. And it's another them showing that he just, he wants us to be action Christians. Verbs. Verbs. I need you to be action because if you're not action, then what are you? You're not helping. It just said, it just said there, like if you're not part of this solution, you're not helping. At all absolutely not helping at all so and uh you might sound good look good say all the right thing but god is reading your heart Mm. and if your heart is not what your outward words are saying you're not judged on your outward actions you are based on where it's coming from yeah and now we're gonna go forward just a little bit and we'll be reading out of acts And this is chapter 17, verses 16 through 34, the end of the chapter. The longer Paul waited in Athens for Silas and Timothy, the angrier he got. All of those idols. The city was a junkyard of idols. (laughs) Paul is always just like, Very dramatic. (laughs) He discussed it with the Jews and other like-minded people at their meeting place. And every day he went out on the streets and talked with anyone who happened along. He got to know some of the Epicurean and Stoic intellectuals pretty well through these conversations. Some of them dismissed him with sarcasm. What a moron. But others, listening to him go on about Jesus and the resurrection, were intrigued. Well, that's a new slant on the gods. Tell us more. I've been studying in school about the Stoics and Hmm. the Epicureans. Okay. Yeah. These people got together and asked him to make a public presentation over at the Areopagus, where things were a little quieter. They said, this is a new one on us. We've never heard anything quite like it. Where did you come up with this anyway? Explain it so that we can understand. Downtown Athens was a great place for gossip. (laughs) There were always people hanging around, natives and tourists alike, waiting for the latest tidbit on most anything. Is that kind of like hanging out at the water cooler? I think it was like, yeah, it was a big water cooler. (laughs) So Paul took his stand in the open space at the Oropagus and laid it out for them. It is plain to see that you Athenians take your religion seriously. 
When I arrived here the other day, I was fascinated with all of the shrines I came across. And then I found one inscribed, To the God Nobody Knows. Mm -hmm. I'm here to introduce you to this God so that you can worship intelligently. Know who you are dealing with. The God who made the world and everything in it, the master of sky and land, doesn't live in some custom-made shrine or need the human race to run errands for him as if he couldn't take care of himself. He makes the creatures. The creatures don't make him. Starting from scratch, he made the entire human race and made the earth hospitable with plenty of time and space for living so that we could seek after God and not just grope around in the dark, but actually find him. He doesn't play hide-and-seek with us. He's not remote. He's near. We live and move in him. Can't get away from him. One of your poets said it well. We're the God created. Well, if we are the God created, it doesn't make a lot of sense to think that we could hire a sculptor to chisel out a god of stone for us, does it? God overlooks it as long as you don't know any better. But that time is past. The unknown is now known, and he's calling for a radical life change. He has set a day when the entire human race will be judged and everything set right, and he has already appointed the judge, confirming him before everyone by raising him from the dead. At the phrase raising him from the dead, the listeners split. Some laughed at him and walked off making jokes, and others said, Let's do this again. We want to hear more. But that was it for the day, and Paul left. There were still others, it turned out, who were convinced then and there, and stuck with Paul. Among them, Dionysus, the Arapagite, and a woman named Damaris. There is a quick pause here that says, Paul's sermon exposed the religious need of the Athenians. That wasn't hard to do with altars all over the place and a shrine devoted to the God nobody knows. Paul merely stated what was obvious but overlooked. People are empty without God, and they try to eliminate that emptiness with philosophy or religion. To this human condition, Paul's sermon preaches Christ, a man with passions like ours, who felt more deeply than any other human being who endured incredible suffering, and in whom God was revealed in a rational and perceptible way. The preaching of Christ brings our needs and our knowledge into a unity and calls us to accept him into our lives so that our passions and perceptions can be integrated into a whole life. Mm. I love that. Um, I also love that he mentioned you won't have to grapple around in the darkness. I think of those Egyptians in that mm. overwhelming darkness for three days, and I picture them just groping and trying to get around and find a way when there's absolutely no light to be found. But in this example, we don't have to grap grope around in the darkness of a light that's absent, Jesus. And I also liked how it said those who just don't know are mm. going to be judged far less harshly than the people who know and don't hear. Yep. And now we're going to be rewinding back to the Old Testament and Heidi will be picking up with Psalm chapter 28. 
All right, here we go. Don't turn a deaf ear when I call you, God. If all I get from you is deafening silence, I'd be better off in the black hole. I'm letting you know what I need, calling out for help and lifting my arms towards your inner sanctuary. Don't shove me into the same jail cell with those crooks, with those who are full-time employees of evil. They talk a good line of peace, then moonlight for the devil. Oh, Pay them back for what they've done, for how bad they've been. Pay them back for their long hours in the devil's workshop then cap it with a huge bonus because they have no idea how God works or what he is up to. God will smash them to smithereens and walk away from the ruins. Blessed be God. He heard me praying. He proved he's on my side. I've thrown my lot in with him. Now I'm jumping for joy Hmm. and shouting and singing my thanks to him. Yes, you are. I am. (laughs) God is all strength for his people, ample refuge for his chosen leader. Save your people and bless your heritage. Care for them. Carry them like a good shepherd. And God is a good shepherd. The best. I was reminded the other day of the whole 99 sheep and the, Mm. the one that's lost and just to have that imagery in your head that there is a father out there that he's not going to scold you when he goes back to rescue you. If you've left the flock and you feel God coming after you, just turn back to him because he's not there to scold you or make you feel less than or rub your nose and why you left. He's there to throw a party for you oh, and welcome you is back. Waiting to throw a celebration, welcoming Absolutely. you back home. I know that happened. Yes. That first day I sat in that church, heaven itself was celebrating that Heidi is home. Yeah. And it's been nonstop action since then. Oh, boy. <laughs> I had no idea. God, I pray for energy. So, so we're just going to throw a little disclaimer warning here. If you do say yes to God, mm. just be ready for things to change. Be ready for your life to start looking different because God will start coming and showing in areas of your life that you maybe have kept hidden or mm-hmm. covered were places where you didn't allow his love to show to other people. Yes. Now it's going to be brought out and shown. So your life will begin to look drastically different. Oh, it is remarkable. If your life has changed at all in the last year, two years, 20 years, and if it was because of God, we would love to hear about it. Stories of God at work energize us beyond no i love uh, testimonies love it i love them and it would be an honor to hear yours if you feel led to share yep that's one of the favorite parts of my job working at crossroads is just the ability to have direct communication with the mentors who are working with the students that are in prison Mm -hmm. and hear the stories from them about letters that were written to them or how the text or the lesson or something that the that the student wrote changed them and really mm-hmm. challenged them. I hear from our mentors all the time how they just love how the lessons 
benefit them in such a way and just bring such a, yes. a light to their life. Oh, they do. I, I am one of those mentors and I can tell you firsthand that I've been changed through that also. God has gently challenged and... It's been oh, a journey. It's been a journey I am thrilled to be in. And now we're going to end the day and see what these crazy Israelites and Egyptians are up oh, to. Oh, yes. I'm sure everybody is absolutely delighted with the current situation. I mean, Israelites the, are leaving and the Egyptians are glad to see them go. That's right. They mm -hmm. do not want them there anymore. Let's see what happens and what God does. So God spoke to Moses saying, set apart every firstborn to me. The first one to come from the womb among the Israelites, whether a person or animal, is mine. Mm -hmm. Moses said to the people, Always remember this day. This is the day when you came out of Egypt from a house of slavery. God brought you out of here with a powerful hand. Don't eat any raised bread. You are leaving in the spring month of Abib. When God brings you to the land of the Canaanite, the Hittite, and the Amorite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite, which he promised to your fathers to give you a land lavish with milk and honey, you are to observe this service during this month. You are to eat unraised bread for seven days. On the seventh day, there is a festival celebration to God. Only unraised bread is to be eaten for seven days. There is not to be a trace of anything fermented, no yeast anywhere. Tell your children on that day, this is because of what God did for me when I came out of Egypt. The day of observance will be like a sign on your hand, a memorial between your eyes, and the teaching of God in your mouth. It was with a powerful hand that God brought you out of Egypt. Follow these instructions at the set time, year after year after year. When God brings you into the land of the Canaanites as he promised you and your fathers and turns it over to you, you are to set aside the first birth out of every womb to God. Every first birth from your livestock belongs to God. You can redeem every first birth of a donkey if you want to by substituting a lamb. If you decide not to redeem it, you must break its neck. Redeem every firstborn child among your sons. When the time comes and your son asks you, what does this mean? You tell him, God brought us out of Egypt, out of a house of slavery, with a powerful hand. When Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, God killed every firstborn in Egypt, the firstborn of both humans and animals. That's why I make a sacrifice for every firstborn male, from the womb to God, and redeem every firstborn son. The observance functions like a sign on your hands or a symbol on the middle of your forehead. God brought us out of Egypt with a powerful hand. It so happened that after Pharaoh released the people, God didn't lead them by the road through the land of the Philistines, which was the shortest route. For God thought, if the people encounter war, they'll change their minds and go back to Egypt. So God led the people on the wilderness road, looping around the Red Sea. The Israelites left Egypt in military formation. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the Israelites solemnly swear to do it, saying, God will surely hold you accountable, so make sure that you bring my bones from here 
with you. They moved on from Succoth and then camped at Etham at the edge of the wilderness. God went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud during the day to guide them on the way, and at night in a pillar of fire to give them light. Thus they could travel both day and night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night never left the people. God spoke to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn around and make camp at Phi-Haharoth, between Migdal and the sea. Camp on the shore of the sea opposite Baal-Zephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are lost. They're confused. The wilderness has closed in on them. Then I'll make Pharaoh's heart stubborn again, and he'll chase after them. And I'll use Pharaoh and his army to put my glory on display. Mm -hmm. Then the Egyptians will realize that I am God. And that's what happened. When the king of Egypt was told that the people were gone, he and his servants changed their minds. They said, what have we done? Letting Israel, our slave labor, go free. So he had his chariots harnessed up and got his army together. He took 600 of his best chariots with the rest of the Egyptian chariots and their drivers coming along. God made Pharaoh, king of Egypt, stubborn, determined to chase the Israelites as they walked out on him without even looking back. The Egyptians gave chase and caught up with them where they had made camp by the sea. All Pharaoh's horse-drawn chariots and their riders, all of his foot soldiers there at Phi-Heharoth, opposite of Baal-Zephon. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and saw them, Egyptians, coming at them. They were totally afraid. They cried out in terror to God. They told Moses, weren't the cemeteries large enough in Egypt so that you had to take us out here in the wilderness to die? What have you done to us, taking us out of Egypt? Back in Egypt, didn't we tell you this would happen? Didn't we tell you? Leave us alone here in Egypt. We're better off as slaves in Egypt than as corpses in the wilderness. Oh, such small mm. faith. Look what God has shown them and done in the, for them. I know. These... And still, we want, why did we ever leave? Because people get comfortable. Yes in a bad situation. I have seen, even in my life, where I was comfortable in addiction. I've seen people comfortable in homelessness. Mm -hmm. I've seen people comfortable in all sorts of bad situations. They were comfortable being nouns in Egypt. Instead of verbs. Yes. Yeah. Moses spoke to the people, don't be afraid. Stand firm and watch God do his work of salvation for you today. Take a good look at the Egyptians today, for you're never going to see mm -hmm. them again. God will fight the battle for you, and you, you keep your mouth shut. God said to Moses, Why cry out to me? Speak to the Israelites. Order them to get moving. Hold your staff high and stretch your hand out over the sea. Split the sea. The Israelites will walk through the sea on dry ground. Mm. Meanwhile, I'll make sure the Egyptians keep up their stubborn chase. I'll use Pharaoh and his entire army, his chariots and horsemen, to put my glory on display so that the Egyptians will realize that I am God. 
The angel of God that had been leading the camp of Israel now shifted and got behind them. And the pillar of cloud that had been in front also shifted to the rear. The cloud was now between the camp of Egypt and the camp of Israel. The cloud enshrouded one camp in darkness and flooded the other with light. The two camps didn't come near each other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and God, with a terrific east wind all night long, made the sea go back. He made the sea dry ground, the sea waters split. Mm. The Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground with the waters a wall to the right and to the left. The Egyptians came after them in full pursuit, every horse and chariot and driver of Pharaoh racing into the middle of the sea. I've often wondered, and I know this is weird, but they've got a wall of water to the Mm -hmm. left, a wall of water to the right. Like, did they see fish? Like, I was thinking the exact same thing. Like, I can picture kids touching it. (laughs) Like, just awed at this. And why not? And Jesus would never tell them, don't do that. Right. Jesus would have been like, oh, let them look in wonder because I've done this. How cool would it be to like, hey, I'm kind of hungry and you see a fish and you're just like, bloop, bloop, pull it right out. And then eat it raw? Well, no, I mean, you're going to carry it to like where you're going. Old Testament and, sushi? I mean, no, we would wait until we got to the other side and could cook it. Okay. But the Egyptians came after them in full pursuit. Every horse and chariot and driver of Pharaoh racing into the middle of the sea. It was now the morning watch. God looked down from the pillar of fire and the cloud on the Egyptian army and threw them into a panic. He clogged the wheels of their chariots. They were stuck in the mud. Mm. The Egyptians said, run from Israel. God is fighting on their side and against Egypt. Mm. God said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea and the waters will come back over the Egyptians, over their chariots, over their horsemen. Moses stretched his hand out over the sea, and as the day broke and the Egyptians were running, the sea returned to its place. God dumped the Egyptians in the middle of the sea. The waters returned, drowning the chariots and riders of Pharaoh's army that had chased after Israel into the sea. Not one of them survived. But the Israelites walked right through the middle of the sea on dry ground, the waters forming a wall to the right and to the left. God delivered Israel that day from the oppression of the Egyptians, and Israel looked at the Egyptian dead, washed up on the shore of the sea, and realized the tremendous power that God had brought against the Egyptians. The people were in reverent awe before God and trusted in God and his servant Moses. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to God, giving voice Mm -hmm. together. Don't worry, I'm not going to be singing. I'm singing my heart out to God. What a victory. He pitched horse and rider into the sea. God is my strength. God is my song. And yes, God is my salvation. This is the kind of God I have. And I'm telling the world, this is the God of my father. I'm spreading the news far and wide. God is a fighter. Pure God, through and through, Pharaoh's chariots and army, he dumped in the sea. The elite of his officers, he drowned in the Red Sea. 
Wild ocean waters poured over them. They sank like a rock in the deep blue sea. Your strong right-hand God shimmers with power. Your strong right hand shatters the enemy. In your mighty majesty, you smash your upstart enemies. You let loose your hot anger and burn them to a crisp. At a blast from your nostrils, the waters piled up, tumbling streams dammed up, wild oceans curdled into a swamp. The enemy spoke, I'll pursue, I'll hunt them down, I'll divide up the plunder, I'll glut myself on them, I'll pull out my sword in my fist will send them reeling. You blew with all your might and the sea covered them. They sank like a lead weight in the majestic waters. Who compares with you among gods, O God? Who compares with you in power, in holy majesty, in awesome praises, wonder-working God? You outstretched your right hand and the earth swallowed them up. But the people you redeemed, you led in merciful love. You guided them under your protection to your holy pasture. When people heard they were scared, Philistines writhed and trembled. Yes, even the headmen in Edom were shaken, and the big bosses in Moab. Everybody in Canaan panicked and fell faint. Dread and terror sent them reeling. Before your brandished right arm, they were struck dumb like a stone. Until your people crossed over and entered, O God, until the people you made crossed over and entered, you brought them and planted them on the mountain of your heritage, the place where you live, the place you made, your sanctuary, Master, that you established with your own hands. Let God rule forever, for eternity. Mm. Yes, Pharaoh's horses and chariots and riders went into the sea, and God turned the waters back on them. But the Israelites walked on dry land right through the middle of the sea. Miriam, the prophetess, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine, and all the women followed her with tambourines dancing. Miriam led them in singing. Sing to God, what a victory! He pitched horse and rider into the sea. Moses led Israel from the Red Sea on to the wilderness of Shur. They traveled for three days through the wilderness without finding any water. They got to Merah, but they couldn't drink the water at Merah. It was bitter. That's why they called the place Merah, meaning bitter. And the people complained to Moses, So what are we supposed to drink? It's only been a little bit since this giant celebration, and look what God did them. I know. So Moses cried out in prayer to God. God pointed him to a stick of wood. Moses threw it into the water and the water turned sweet. That's the place where God set up rules and procedures. And that's where he started testing them. God said, if you listen, listen obediently to how God tells you to live in his presence, obeying his commandments and keeping all of his laws, then I won't strike you with all the diseases that I inflicted on the Egyptians. I am God, your healer. They came to Elam, where there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees. They set up camp there by the water. I just find it interesting that there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees, and there were 12 tribes. And 70 people that entered Egypt in the time of Joseph. Very interesting. 
And now there's millions that came millions. out. Millions. Mm. Find it such an interesting testimony to the fact that people are exactly the same to this day. How quickly we forget what God has just done for us. And God continues to show grace and mercy even when we're whining and complaining after he's done amazing things for us. And he's so patient with them. I know, know, which means... Like, haven't you been paying attention to how... I mean, look at all this stuff I'm doing. Look at how I protected you. Look at how I've taken you from being slaves where you were under oppression. Yes. And now you're in, yes, you're in the wilderness, but like I'm leading you out of that and faithfully showing you. Did anybody remember the walls of water? Did anybody remember the dry ground? Any Anybody yeah. have any recollections of that? It's just quickly forgotten when it's like, oh, but the water doesn't taste good here. Another action-packed day Ooh. on a journey through the message. And friends, we are so glad that you're choosing to just go on this journey with us. I look forward to the next time. This truly is a high point in my day, and I am so excited to see what comes next. So what are you doing today to be a verb? That's our question for you. Yes. What kind of verb are you being today? Absolutely. Let's get uncomfortable with being nouns. So we will see you next time on A Journey Through the Message. Thanks again for choosing to hang out and listen to us. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Absolutely. We'll see you soon.